I want to tell you something that will help me feel closer to you. And I'm pretty nervous to share this with you. So I really don't want you to feel obligated. But I've been noticing that it would really feel meaningful to me if we would have more sex or focus more on our physical connection with each other, even if it's not sex. Like I, I really would love to feel reconnected to you in that way. Mm. Um, and like, I feel my heart racing right now because it's just like such an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but I want to talk about it with you because I love you. Welcome to the Feeling Free Podcast. My name is Ben Harris, also known as the Fear Guy. My job is to help you feel more free in your life with love and relationships, self-worth, and much more. I'm happy you're here. I love you. I believe in you. Let's break free from fear together. Welcome, my friend Janelle, to the podcast for a conversation that will probably make you feel awkward and uncomfortable, and it's supposed to. That means we are expanding because it's a much needed conversation about overcoming shame and fear in our sex and love lives. She's a sexual empowerment and relationship coach. Get ready because it's juicy. Oh yeah, let's go. All righty. Well, Janelle, welcome um, to Feeling Free. We had an amazing time in our membership group, the Freedom School. So I knew, and I believe you knew, that we had to come back for a podcast. So thank you for being here. Definitely. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've been literally <laughs> looking forward to it for a few days. Like, oh, we're going to have a juicy, awesome conversation about <laughs> facing fear and shame and sex and love. It's my favorite subject. <laughs> yeah. Like, and like, I'm so happy you reached out to me because we really are aligned. Like, you know, it is in a different um, or subtopic, I guess, but it, yeah. like, it really is aligned. And it's so yeah like i've been looking forward to this too because uh just like i love the way you communicate and you give simple practical straightforward ways to communicate within love and sex um and that's like and it's so needed you know it it, like it's so needed like there's no reason to get complicated yeah totally i wish that we in schools learned interpersonal communication especially interpersonal communication around intimacy um, so yeah, that's really? part of my, my mission, just like help people let go of it needing to be perfect. Like a lot of people have been commenting like, oh, but it's just so awkward when it's like kind of scripted like this. It's like, yeah, yeah. first, but then it becomes emotional muscle memory and it yes. feels less uncomfortable. Yeah. And like, I want to, and go back to the school thing. Like, yeah, I really thought that about, um, Cause we had like awesome engagement when you and I, like when you were teaching and just like doing Q and a, like in the freedom school. And like, again, like we're aligned with that as like, this is literally like how I want, like if I were to run a school, what would I teach like once a week? You know, like actually like real, of course you learn things, but it, it's definitely outdated. So I want to start totally. this off by giving you, um, I mean, you already have, um, clout, I guess is what I'll say, but I want to read some comments from TikTok because that's where you and I have both been excelling. Um, and especially like you, like you're so consistent, which is really impressive. Thank you. Um, so one comment I want to read, your account has brought my negative self-talk down so much. I've questioned myself my whole life, but you have validated my feelings. In 15 seconds, you did that. 
I love that. Right? That's so dope. And then you're amazing and helping me be more confident, which is making my marriage healthier. Thank you. Hearts, 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 hearts. Your, your videos bring me to tears sometimes because relationships are hard in all caps and your word just makes so much sense. <laughs> Thank you so much. This shifted my perspective and helped me heal from a relationship that ended years ago that I didn't realize I viewed as a failure. Boom. Mm, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally. so dope. So, um, yeah, back to the, even just like with the TikTok thing is that is mostly like a younger audience and it's so cool that everything's so accessible but anyway let's we'll get we'll get juicy like why are we afraid to communicate honestly i think there's a ton of shame around what we really want and need regardless of even if it's about sexuality or relationships right we live in a we live in a culture where we're taught you know we should we should sacrifice our happiness for the greater good. I mean, that's more the case in other cultures, but it's also the case in, um, you know, puritanical culture. It's like you should sacrifice your well-being for God. Um, and I do think there's a way that you need to compromise and collaborate with other human beings, right? Like we're not cowboys who are just like living by ourselves, doing whatever the heck we want. But there's some kind of a balance where... Mm you feel you feel your commitments and you know in some cases maybe obligations to the people in your life but you don't let shame hide who you really are so i just feel like because of the lack of knowing how to balance the give and take of being yourself and being cooperative with other human beings that is at the root of a lot of shame yeah and why like for you, your works, um, you know, like what is a common, I guess, yeah, like what's a common, um, what are common ways that fear and shame sabotage us in our sex and love lives? Like, totally. like what's the, what are some ways that you've seen to be most common? The most common things are A, you consistently do things that you really don't want to do just mm. to maintain a relationship. Um, and then you are resentful of it because yeah. you're not establishing your own boundaries. The flip side of that is consistently shutting down your own needs because you're so terrified of seeing your partner uncomfortable or upset <laughs> that you take it personally and you think, Oh my God, I have to turn off my desires or my needs. Um, I'm a bad person. I, I should not even, I should never make my partner uncomfortable. And the truth of the matter is, is that relationships are uncomfortable inherently. Intimacy is awkward and uncomfortable and that's real. Yeah. And that's how we grow. So letting go of the myth that it's our job to protect our partners from any discomfort by shutting down our own needs. Oh, that's so good. And yeah, like it is. And that's me. Like I want to tackle both of those. We'll go to the second first. Um, yeah. cause that's what I relate to. And this is yeah. all about me. Just kidding. Um, like I relate to that one a lot too. <laughs> like totally. for me, I'm definitely just like a giver. I'm like, I want to be the best and most significant partner you've ever had. And I'm going to totally like, like do all these things and you're going to love it, you know? And then yeah. like what you said, like, you know, I can imagine even being a parent one day, like, it's so uncomfortable for me to watch people 
struggle or feel uncomfortable or grow and like but that's the whole point of growth so i love how you just that is like a myth and you also talk about disappointment right of how like it's going to happen no matter what absolutely absolutely we need to get more comfortable mm. with disappointment in our sex lives in our relationships yeah. and part of that again is the balance like you're not going to get everything you want from your partner you're not going to get everything you dream of for your sex life but if you're just really clear about what you want, you are going to get some of it. And there's no need to shame each other for what we want. And part of why we do that is because we're so terrified that we have to be everything for each other. And we have to fulfill all of each other's needs that when our partner has a need, we can't quite fulfill or a desire that isn't part of our desire story. We get threatened. We get triggered because we think it is my obligation to be perfect for you. And because I am not, this is wrong. You are bad. I am bad. But we need to let go of that, those stories. They're not serving us. I love that. So what, what is the balance in that, like the balancing act of like not settling and then also being disappointed? Like, what is that? What is that fine line? Right. I mean, I think it looks differently for everyone, mm -hmm. but I feel like all of, all of life is is a kind of a, a you know a sine curve of sometimes things feel really great and sometimes things feel really hard you know there's a mix of compromising and processing and disappointment and fun and joy and elation and connection and it really you know it just depends on each person and like what they really need and what they're willing to sacrifice in their relationships but just really keeping in mind that like some days are crappy and some days are super mm. connective and that's both, they're both normal and you need to have both in order for the other to exist. Yeah. How do you think, um, do you think that our in like deep down, I believe that we do. I would love to hear your thoughts. Like we know, like we might not like, like the answer, but of the point of like, okay, they don't meet my values or hit on my boxes or like, they're not meeting me. Like they're not like putting in that work. Um, but from your own experience, like, I'm just, does our intuition know, like, how do we, it is different for everyone. So do you advise people to listen to their intuition, intuition, or how do people know of like, okay, I'm not getting what I deserve versus this is just day-to-day -day disappointment. Yeah. I think you start by sitting with the uncomfortable feelings and taking some time by yourself, or if you're someone who processes with people to talk to a therapist or a mm. best friend, but taking space away from processing it with your partner at first, just because there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot of trigger that comes with having a deep attachment with someone. You need some space away from that to think about it. And I think just being with the discomfort, meaning just taking deep breaths, noticing the, the uncomfortable feelings or the sadness and really excavating it. Just instead of trying to make it go away, really asking it, what can I learn from you? Why are you here? You know, I, I have this metaphor that I learned from my very first life coach, mm -hmm. that there are saboteurs that you can almost imagine like a, a little guy in a trench coat who's coming into your mind or into your heart or into your life. Um, and you could see him or it or they as an intruder as someone to destroy as something to go you just want them to go away or you can sit down and have a meal with them and take take some time to say i see you you're here like tell me what i need to know from you and then you can politely invite them to leave your mind or your heart 
So it's really taking time to feel your feelings, which sucks. It's super uncomfortable. I mean, I hate doing it. I know it's like we all hate doing it, but that's really part of your own self-assessment of am I okay with this level of disappointment or is like, are, are my values like fundamentally not being met? That inquiry is different for every person. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. Some people might think um, I have to be in a relationship where I am, um, you know, having, having sex with my partner every day. Like if I don't get that, I will like wither and die. Um, you know, and a lot of people probably don't feel that way and are okay to compromise, but some people do. And we need to not judge each other for our differences. And it's very, very painful if you and your partner are different in these major ways where you both feel just like that is not me. And, you know, that may lead to the relationship shifting into a new form where you're no longer, you know, primary, like, co-life partner. And that's Mm -hmm. super painful, but it's better to be real about what we can actually sacrifice and and what we can't. Yeah. Where do you like personally still feel fear or shame in this realm? Yeah. I mean, everywhere I (laughs) grew up going, yeah, I grew up going to Catholic school and just like feel really embarrassed about what like certain you know, elders in my life are going to think about the work that I'm doing. And you still feel that today. Yeah. Like yesterday I, I posted a, a TikTok video about, um, Hey guys, if there's one thing I really want men to know, it's like when you're touching a woman, don't go straight for the clit. Mm -hmm. And after posting that I went for a run and had this like intense shame reaction, which here's what it felt like in my body, hotness in my face, jitteriness in my stomach, storying in my head, like, Oh my God, was that inappropriate? Like, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, hey, Janelle, you know, I see you have this discomfort and I that discomfort is from many, many years of like cultural, you know, social messaging that anything having to do with sexuality or, you know, anatomical body parts that are related to pleasure mm-hmm. is, is inappropriate or wrong. But actually like this is part of your mission is to like help people let go of shame around this. And the only way to do that is to decolonize that shame within yourself you know so i like to use the word yeah of course i like to use the word decolonize by the way because i think Mm. there's a lot of repressive ideas about sexuality and relationships that are causing a lot of suffering in the world so yeah what does that mean so like what does decolonize mean yeah so i mean a colonized place is a place where you know a, a um a more whatever insistent dominant culture has come in and said, nope, your way of living is wrong. Yeah. Everything you believe is wrong. Our way is right. You must all now adhere to our way or we're going to kill you or punish you yeah. or, you know, we're, and we're subjugating you because we believe our way is better. So to decolonize a belief within your own mind or heart is to say, no, I am standing up to this repressive ideology about how a sex life or how a relationship is supposed to be. And I'm saying like, Um, no, I'm not going to be, um, you know, saddled to to the yoke of this idea that is literally causing me so much shame that I am suffering and I'm not living my best life. I love that. And thank like, yeah, thanks for sharing that because there's no matter what, well, I'm just saying like for someone who views you 
like they're definitely, I mean, you are exercising and express like courage with what you're doing. But the assumption is that you are like, oh man, she's just talking about sex and like pleasure and like libido and like all these different things that it's like easy for you, but it's like the contrary, you know? And so I love that you talk about that is that you still feel it. Like yeah, it's even more powerful that you totally. are exercising it because you're living it and you're, li- you're leading as an example. Thank you. I really appreciate you asking. And, you know, last time during our membership talk, uh, I was talking about how one, another pain, big pain point for me is that I want a lot more sexual attention yeah. than my, than my partner does, which is like a shameful because I'm a woman. And mm-hmm. so like, why should I be wanting more sex than my partner? That's not how it's supposed to work or B, um, it makes me feel needy, makes me feel desperate. Um, and what is true is that sexuality is a place where I feel a lot of comfort and release. And it's like a meditation. It's like church. Mm. Um, it is like a way I rely on to feel like reconnected to my body. Um, so that feels very vulnerable to like have that as a need. Um, and yeah, so like I definitely, you know, all, all so what I do is just like, we talk about it, me and him, you know, mm-hmm. and we're just like very clear, like that it's not, you know, he's just like, it's not a rejection. It's just like, I don't want to, you know, it's like he has a lot of his own wounding around like feeling obligated. That's like a mm. big pain point for him. It has nothing to do with me or me not being desired or not being sexy or I'm not even trying to control him. Right. So like, I just need to hear, you know, babe, like I totally love you, you know, and I desire you and, um, for me, I just, I, it, it just like, it can't feel like something that I have to do to like mm-hmm. take care of you or please you. Cause then otherwise like I feel kind of lost. And so for him, it's like a reclaiming of a boundary. So you can say a boundary to your partner while still like recognizing their need and loving them saying like, I mm-hmm. see you, I see your need. And I can't meet you there to the extent that you need. I'm like, that's okay. And like, for me, it's like, yeah, that's disappointing. But that disappointment is so much better than if he was reacting from a emotionally immature place of like, Oh, God, like, why do you want need so much sex? Like, it's disgusting. It's (laughs) embarrassing. I mean, like, that's literally the way that a lot of us talk to our each other, because we don't have training about like, just acknowledging the other person's needs and not feeling obligated to do whatever it is that they that they are, you know, desiring. So yeah, this is so important. Like this stuff, like yeah. I truly believe that this is truly life-changing. Like it totally. really, it really, really is. Mm-hmm. And so, and again, I love how you incorporate like real life. And so with approaching for, like, as an example, for someone who's never done this before, let's say they're in a partnership yeah. um, and they do want to communicate. So how would you communicate? Hey, like I would like to have sex every day or something to that effect. Well, I, we should role play it, right? <laughs> I know. And hopefully last time on the membership is a bit weird, but here, I got this here. I, <laughs> I'll be your partner. Here we go. And you know what? It's going to be awkward and weird. Mm-hmm. Like it's never going to be perfect. Like we're stumbling through how to talk about this stuff. Like that's okay. You know, it's better to just do it and try it than to get it perfect. Yeah. And I love that. And, like I'm a nerd and so I I'm like uncomfortable or I'm comfortable with the uncomfortable in a weird way totally. but it, but it's still uncomfortable like yeah. you know and we'll get to more some like uncomfortable things later but here we go role play 
All right, y'all, before we get into the role play, I want to tell you about the Freedom School. The Freedom School is our private membership. So it is a group where we have weekly workshops, so weekly group coaching calls where you get to talk with expert experts like Janelle. So Janelle, that's where we first collaborated is within the membership and our group absolutely loved it. Seriously, they were asking such good questions. So if that interests you, like you want to dive deep into these things, then I totally suggest that you hop on this, like join the Freedom School today. So go to feeling-free.com slash membership or just go to the link in the description or the show notes and then you can click that and it will take you so you can join. So that's feeling-free.com slash membership. Uh, I mean, last week we had a conversation about balancing masculine and feminine energies. Um, we've had a conversation about how to create clarity and alignment uh, like with Janelle, like overcoming um shame and fear within your sex and love lives, but people were able to ask personal questions of how to communicate. So it is an amazing group and you get to get this um, really personal um, touch with these experts and with me. So I highly suggest it. I'd love to see you in there. Go to feeling-free.com slash membership and I'll see you there. All right, y'all back to the role play. Hey, Ben, I, I want to tell you something that will help me feel closer to you. And I'm pretty nervous to share this with you because I really don't want you to feel obligated but I've been noticing that it would really feel meaningful to me if we would have more sex or focus more on our physical connection with each other even if it's not sex like I I really would love to feel reconnected to you in that way Mm. Um, and like I feel my heart racing right now because it's just like such an uncomfortable thing to talk about but I want to talk about it with you because I love you. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like wondering if you'll talk about this with me. Oh, I love it. <laughs> this is actually like super real. Um, yeah, like I love you, Janelle. Thank you for telling me like, like I absolutely love how vulnerable you are. And like honesty is that that means everything. And I would always want you to communicate, you know, what you're feeling, what you want, what you don't want. And I'll, so for me, And I know how scary that is. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) And yeah, so what does that, like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, again, I don't want you to feel obligated to Mm -hmm. do anything you don't want to do. But for me, Mm -hmm. even just like, uh, even if we could just like make out for a few minutes before we go to bed without like any pressure for it to go Mm -hmm. further, or like if we could do some eye gazing or you could just like caress my body, like I don't need it to be like, we're going to have sex. I just want to feel some like intentional connection time around like physicality and just like to feel you know like you desire me and care about me and want to give me pleasure just like god that just makes that means so much to me damn so role play over like for me like as a physical touch um that's one of my love languages and i'm like a heavy like super like care into it so like for me i'm like oh yeah like i'll do it you know but like (laughs) But what you're is, like, give me the list. I want to do it all. <laughs> yeah, for real though. Like I'm, I'm an achiever. So I, mm-hmm. you know, like I really do want to like, oh damn. Yeah. Like, here we go. You know? Totally. So what if someone, cause that act is extremely courageous to even start that conversation. It's going to be awkward. Embrace it. Totally. What if someone doesn't respond like how I responded? Yeah. So hey, let's say you were like, oh god like what are you talking about yeah. or something yeah i might be like 
I might, I would start with an acknowledgement where I'd be like, yeah, I see that this isn't an easy thing to talk about. Like I can understand why this might be triggering for you. And, you know, I just want to reiterate that the reason I'm talking to you about this is because I really care about you and love you. And I want this to be a conversation. I want you to be included in this too. Like this is not a demand. I'm not telling you you did anything wrong because probably the reason why you're, you're reacting like that is from your own place of fear and insecurity. So instead of being like, Oh my God, I'm taking it personally. Why are you acting like that? You're such a jerk. It's like, Whoa, okay. Like, I see that you're having a reaction and this is about your stuff and I get it. And like, Hey, I'm baby. I'm right here with you. We're on the same team. I want to love you through this. I mean, and if, and if, and if they're just like completely unwilling to have this conversation with you, I mean, frankly, I would rethink the relationship because if you're trying to have an emotionally mature conversation where you're owning your feelings and being vulnerable and your partner is not able to do that, it's not a very healthy conducive environment for you to like actually feel safe being vulnerable because you Mm -hmm. cannot be vulnerable with someone who is like completely resistant to it. It doesn't mean that they're not skilled and adept at it. Like you can be willing to try to have emotional connective conversations just without really knowing how to do it. But Mm -hmm. if your partner's like fully resistant to it, like unwilling, sustainable, I think. That makes sense. And that's a convers that's a separate conversation. But um uh like I love the idea again going back to just like I'm whether it's a grill junkie, just any type of obsessed with like this intention and intimacy and whatever I do. Um, I love the idea of um weekly check-ins in relationships. And I understand that you do them, is that correct? We don't do them weekly. We do them uh-huh. when we feel like it. But weekly is uh-huh. uh, an, a concept I got from just like John Gottman, the Gottman Institute, who studied all these relationships and what really helps with longevity. And he recommends doing weekly, like scheduled check-ins. Um, but my partner and I are a little bit more freeform about it. But we mm-hmm. definitely do daily check-ins that aren't like the structured, like here's our list uh-huh. of questions. But like every single day we don't go to bed without being like, Hey, you know, earlier I felt really missed when this happened or like, I really loved it when this happened. You know, that's just something that feels important to us. That's just like feels organic. To, to wow. Share. No, like, I love that. So that's the thing yeah. is, so weekly check-ins, um, if that works for you daily, what works for you, you know, and you can change it, you know, you could try all of them or none of them. Um, I love there's that. There's a great, there's a great um, map that I've seen on Instagram, I'm sure you could look up when you look up like Gottman relationship check-ins where the Gottman Institute recommends like you should do, you know, a couple affirmations a day where you say something you love about each other. You should mm-hmm. spend like about an hour, two hours a week having a more detailed check-in. So there's like varying levels of how you can like acknowledge and check in with your partner throughout the week, right? You don't need to do like really in-depth check-ins every day. Yeah. Cause that, yeah, if it's really in depth, even for me, that'd be like, oh my gosh, like it's tiring. Not enough time and like too much emotional energy. Yeah, sure. it's not. It's like not as fun. You know, I want it to be fun, like as as connective and deep and intimate. I want to like have fun. Totally, and you know, part of you know facing your fear in relationships isn't necessarily fun, but part <laughs> of what makes a relationship really juicy is looking at what makes you both uncomfortable. And naming when you feel discomfort and just being real and vulnerable about things that feel uncomfortable because you are each other's mirrors for growth, right? Like you see so much of yourself reflected in 
the mirror of your relationship that is such juicy fodder for personal growth. So do you it's practice like, that? So, so like when you, is it in the moment that you practice that? Like I'm uncomfortable and I, or I feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. Now I do. I mean, I used to be, <laughs> I used to not be very good at it because I was so ashamed of having needs mm. and like being vulnerable was something that took a lot of learning for me. Um, you know, and I think that's true for a lot of people in our culture. Cause we're taught like you should have it all together. You should never yep. be weak. Like vulnerability is not, you know, only very recently are, is vulnerability becoming in vogue. Right. Um, so it's like, this is a learned thing. And so, yeah, now at this point, um, it all starts with physical sensations in the body. So what is a really good thing to do if like, you don't even really know how you're feeling, but you're just like feeling like there's something somatically happening and it isn't feeling good to so just be like, I'm noticing my heart's really racing right now. Like I'm, I'm having some kind of a reaction to what's happening. Like, can, can we take a break? Like maybe I need some space or like, can we just like sit in silence and just like hold hands for a little bit? Like basically instead of having the discussion in the moment when you're triggered is just like, I'm feeling a fear response. Here's how it is somatically showing up in my body and just naming it and then asking your partner for what you might need. Or they can suggest like, do you need, what do you need right now? Do you need some space? Do you need me to cuddle you? Do you want to have mm. a snack? Do you want to do some breathing? So just knowing that when you're ha having those reactions, you don't have to act on them, meaning you don't have to like, ah, we're talking <laughs> about the thing. It's just like, okay, here's the fear. I'm mm. noticing it. I'm just sitting with it going to name the physical sensations I'm feeling that can be really grounding and it's connective because instead of yelling at your partner, right? Like, let's say you were like, wow, like you're, you know, the, the quarantine snacks are really showing Janelle. Like, let's say you said that to me and you're okay. my partner. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, wow. Like I noticed like I, that like felt like a, I felt a twinge in my gut because that really didn't feel good. Um, and I don't even know what I need. It's just like, doesn't feel that, that like I'm having a, a physical like pang reaction is like, is like very different than me being like, what the heck? Why would you say that? That's so mm -hmm. rude. But, but it, it, it was like not the most considerate, you know, thing to say, but instead of like naming it in, in the moment, I can just be like, wow. Okay. I'm having a physical reaction to that. And you're much more likely to have empathy for that than for me instantly going into defense and telling you how you messed up. I love this. It's like, yeah, just like, I feel like part of the shame and then add to this or, you know, do your thing is just like, just say how you feel. Yeah. Like if we were just honest about how we felt and I know that's everything absolutely that we say on the face of the earth is easier said than done. And I'm going to, I'm trying not to even use that phrase because to me it just like goes without saying, but, um, like what else would you add to that? Just like say how you feel. Say how you feel, but also I, I recommend to partners to have a discussion about this before you're in a fight when you're not in a state of trigger, just to be like, hey, you know, I was listening to this podcast and I or this discussion and you know, I learned that something that's really good to do if we're both in a state of like mm. having a fear or panic reaction or trigger is to just like name the physical sensations happening and then maybe ask each other, like, what do you need right now? Instead of continuing to have the discussion about the thing that caused the trigger or fear reaction. And I'm wondering if 
like you're willing to do that with me and they might be like okay well what does that mean it's like okay well you know like if there's a moment where i say something insensitive to you or like vice versa um what would it be like to just say oh wow like i'm i'm noticing i'm you know i'm having a physical reaction to to what's happening and it like doesn't feel very good and like can we can we take some deep breaths or can we take some space? So mm. I think, I think part of this is like partners really need to have intentional discussions about this before they're having the moment of trigger. Yeah. That's key. Um, what are like, when you look back on your journey of uh, communication, what is, what are, do you have some like key memories of like, wow, that was hella uncomfortable, but that was like a huge step for you that you just like leaned into it. I mean, one of my early memories of feeling like super shut down because of my own inability to communicate was when um, my partner and I of like 10 or 15 years ago, um, I was like, yeah, I really, I think I'm not monogamous and I would like to be able to like kiss people at parties maybe. And he was like, okay, we can try it. And then after I did it, I was like, oh, I kissed someone at a party and he freaked out. Like he had an intense panic reaction. And instead of me being like, yeah, I see how like, this is hard. Like, did you agree to something you didn't really want to do? Like, are you okay? Like, what do you need right now? Um, You know, instead of like being able to like really be with him, like I took it so personally and I was like, oh my God, I can never do this again. Or if I do this again, I should not tell him and I should just lie. It led to me not living in my integrity because like I would do some things without telling him because it was um because I was so mortified by like his intense physical reaction um and I think there was a way that he wasn't also like quite owning that he was saying yes to things just to be in relationship with me that he didn't really want right and so you know both of us had uh, didn't have enough life experience or training in in emotional intelligence and communication to be able to know how to really own our own feelings and say yes or no to things that were authentic and uphold our boundaries very well. But that was a significant moment where I remember feeling like, Oh shit, like (laughs) he's so, he's so uncomfortable. I did something wrong. This can never happen again. So I'm trying to think of a memory. Like I think just with my current partner, when he's upset, I'm just like really much more able to just take a deep breath and be like, yeah, I totally see that you're upset about something I did right now. And he's also really adept at being like, I'm really angry right now, but I love you. Like I'm angry and like, I'm angry and like, I need some space and, but we're going to like come back together and talk about this. Like I'm not abandoning you, but like I'm pissed. So I think we're Mm -hmm. both just like able to think meta a lot more and it just comes with practice. Yeah. Well, and like both can exist. I like how you said that, right? Like you can still be angry and you can still love them. You know, it's like, uh, absolutely. Something I, I think is, something I think is great is if you're having a fight with your partner, like a conflict is like actually hold hands. Like you still love each other. You're mm. just like having some hard feelings, but you know, that doesn't mean you can't love through it. Wow. That's really cool. And so what would you get when you look at, you know, old Janelle, like in that circumstance of feeling yeah. guilty in that moment? Yeah. Because for me, something I'm working on is definitely taking things less personally, whether it's in relationships, like someone not choosing me or actually it's really like, it's even like in business too, like when someone doesn't choose me, it's technically rejection. So 
Totally. So taking that less personally, like what would you, how would you love yourself? What would you say? Mm. I heard a great quotation called rejection is protection. Mm -hmm. Basically what that means is that when somebody rejects you or something in your life doesn't quite line up as you thought it would, it's because that person wasn't meant to be in your life. And I mean, that doesn't sound like a very, you know, that's like a more spiritual perspective or, you know, it sounds like there's, you know, there's fate or you don't have your own willpower, but I, I interpret it in a different way. I interpret it like, okay, well, um, you know, I really wanted this person or this thing and it didn't happen. And that's okay because I am making space for the people who are going to say yes. Yeah. Through, through I this, like through this loss, through this lack. Well, and do you really want to be someone who doesn't choose you? Like, do you want to, do, do you want to be, be with, be yeah. with someone that doesn't choose you? Definitely not. I had a, I had a woman message me on TikTok recently and she was like, so I really want to get married to my partner and he really wants to get married to me, but he doesn't cherish me. Hmm. And I was like, damn, I'm going to cry. Cause I, I don't, I personally wouldn't want to be in a relationship where I didn't feel cherished, but if that's not a strong need for her, I support her. I want everyone to live their best life. But to me, it's like, I can't imagine not being, not being cherished. Mm. So yeah, I, I would like to explore that because I know there's so many people who, like for me, I can say like, like I'm not judging you for that choice and you're doing the best that you can. Yeah. However, yeah, I truly feel that you do deserve someone that cherishes you. I know it's so tough because like when, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about earlier, like what's the fine line of Mm -hmm. like, what's the balance of, you know, what, what you really need or deserve or what you're willing to let go of. And yeah, that's really hard because like, I have so much bias in that case. Like you should be with someone that you deserve is like my, or sorry, that cherishes you. It's like, so part of my value system and part of my story. And like, it's very difficult to be able to advise someone else on, you know, how do you have a relationship that doesn't have that? I think a big part of that is just holding space to allow people to excavate that. It's just like, okay, so like, what is it? So what does it mean to you to be cherished? Or what does it mean to you um, to not be cherished? Like, what are the values that are being met in this relationship? Um, and like, actually, maybe you're writing out the the things that you're, you're feeling really nourished by in the relationship and the things that are feeling really like lacking or feeling hard so that you can actually see them on paper and be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like this is, this is acceptable for me or, or not. You know, I think it's like really doing that excavation and that internal discovery process. And that's what I really love to help clients with is like, I have my own life and I'm very upfront about like who I am and like Mm -hmm. the kind of lifestyle I lead and what I believe. But I want everyone to choose the life and the love and the sex life that fits them. That is so important because there's really no right or wrong way. There's just what would make you authentically thrive. Yes. I love it. Authentic, authentically thrive, which I would call freedom. Definitely. Yeah. And that's why I was drawn to, to you, Ben. And that's, you know, that's why I reached out to you. I was like, Oh, freedom from fear. Like that's what I'm all about. Mm -hmm. Freedom from fear and, and love in my case. (laughs) I love it. So what are some common, like when you're working with clients of 
what is the most uncomfortable thing for people to talk about or open up about? I definitely see that there's a ton of shame for men around really problematic beliefs about male sexuality and, and the male body. And I love is, it because I was going to ask about that, but I wanted to see if that was true. This is just like something that's not talked about very much and mm -hmm. it's not a very popular opinion. And in fact, like I recently did a video about, about um, stop body shaming men around talking, like joking about cock size and, and a yeah. man commented, wow, like when I try to post about this, people just tell me like to shut up or like I'm being a yeah. misogynist or whatever. And so yeah. um, basically like a lot of the, the deep pain I see or is, is like men who feel like, A, something is wrong with me because I don't want to have sex on the first date because there's so much pressure on men to like always be ready to perform and like should always want sex. Like they want to spread their seeds. Like actually, yeah. that's not true. Like women mm -hmm. and men are a lot more similar in that way than then we realize, and there's been a lot of recent research that's shown that like actually they're like humans just vary widely and it's not really based on gender in that way. Like some people want to have one night stands of all genders and some people want to like take it slow. Mm -hmm. Another big pain point I see is men feeling ashamed about um, their cock size because yeah. right. It's like become socially taboo to body shame women, but it's like, we're still working. We still got to work on um, how to not body shame men because men are supposed to be tough and not care about that stuff. Right. It's like, why do you have feelings? Like you're not, you know, why do you have vulnerability? It's like, mm, no, that's not, <laughs> no, not how it works. Like stop body shaming everyone. So do you um, think, I like how you say that. Do you think it's because like, yeah. Why do you think that is? Is it because we're, just because we have lived in that like men rule the world, you know, mentality. So if we talk about these things, is it like, hey, like you've had your time replaced? Like where yeah. does it, something like that? Yeah. I mean, men have, white men have had a lot of power, more yeah. power than any other group of, of humans for, for right. a long time now. And so I think there's a, there's a, a reclamation of other groups saying like, you know, hell no, like these, you know, the, the oppressive beliefs invented by like white patriarchal male society um, have, have been very painful for me. And there's like kind of a retribution, yeah. but it's like, but there's still a lot of, you know, for, for me, I feel like the next step is just like, can we just stop shaming everyone? Because everyone. shame doesn't, shame doesn't work to change people that doesn't work. Never, 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 never. I mean, like, even if I had a client who was, who was into, um, child pornography, I wouldn't be like, that's disgusting. I'd be mm -hmm. like, that's super painful. And it really sucks that you desire that. And you did not choose that. That is something that you did not choose. And like, yeah, you cannot do it. It is not okay. You cannot do it in the world. But like, let's just sit here and like be with the disappointment that this is what you desire because it's not your fault. Just the same way, mm -hmm. like if you're born with a 10 inch or a two inch cock, like you didn't choose that just mm -hmm. because you want to have one night stands or you want to have a, a whole life of only like casual sex, or you want to um, not have sex on the first date and you want to like get to know someone, you know, before marrying them or whatever. Like there's just so like the breadth of human sexuality and desire is very expansive. And you cannot choose how your body is. You cannot choose what you desire or who you desire or what kind of relationship or sexuality you want. So 
yeah, there are some things that are literally not okay. Like it is not okay to have sex with children, but like, why would you shame that person? Like they didn't choose that. Um, but like, yeah, you, they're not going to, it's not okay to do it. And if they do do it, then that's when like, you need to take action, you know, Mm. to, to make sure it doesn't happen again. But like just the act of shaming another person for their fundamental desire or body or identity is it's, it doesn't work. It doesn't change people. Well, because like you said, yeah, like, Hey, that's not an ideal thing to do, obviously. But like, if we shame them, that person will no longer open up. They might keep doing it. It'll just go underground and become insidious. And like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're more likely, it's more likely to become this this like messed up problem that they're going to act on because the shame is like so expansive and enormous that they have no control over it versus just like, wow, I'm really sitting with my disappointment that I want this like, you know, socially unacceptable and like, you know, wrong thing, Mm -hmm. like have, you know, having sex with minors. Um, but like, I recognize that, you know, I didn't choose that. And I, I'm not, I'm going to like consciously like not act on that because like, it's not okay in the, you know, and um, that's like, it's much more manageable when you're not living from this place of like shame and hiding and yeah. fear. That's yeah. powerful. Um, I just had, not, idea- you know, it's not a popular opinion. Like I guarantee that like oh, someone sure. listening, someone listening to this is going to be like, that's only to shame and like I'm definitely willing to have conversations about this and like I'm open to hearing other perspectives but like from what I have seen with working around sexuality it's just like it doesn't help people at all to like change their behavior when I love that like how you just said like um there's for sure someone listening and whoever's thinking that let me just say like I love you and that's okay too Mm -hmm. because you didn't you necessarily you are unconsciously choosing that belief. And so let me just invite you to think, is that true? Do you want to think that way? Or is there a new way of thinking that you might not have thought about before? And is it possible for multiple things to be true at once? Like, is it possible for someone to, um, to, for something to not be okay and to also not shame someone for that being their desire as long as they are, do not act on it. Man, I love this. This is awesome. So, you know, and there's also along that same line, mm-hmm. there's this great, I think it's from this great book, um, Come As You Are by Dr. Emily Nagoski. It's about pleasure and like rethinking desire, specifically like female desire. But but she says in the book that she had this one client, she's a sex therapist. And she had this client who is a man who was like horrified because he was in college and he was at a, a frat party and he saw a woman who was drugged being sexually assaulted Mm. and he was horrified like so upset but yet he got an erection and he was like devastated about it the fact that he got an erection he thought that he was a bad person he thought something was wrong with him and she was like look you can your body will have like chemical reactions to things that are sexually relevant that doesn't mean that you are going to act on it that doesn't mean that you cannot use your mind and that your brain's like, this is wrong. Like we, we as humans have the power of our minds to not do Mm. things. Right. So like, even if our bodies, like, let's say, you know, in that, the case of um, the someone who wants to like have sex with minors, like you're having a physical reaction and that is something you cannot control, but you can control doing it. You have this like amazing, powerful human brain where you can be like, okay, like that is not something 
I am going to act on. Right. And so I thought like her unpacking that was just like really refreshing because it was just like, yeah, like don't be in shame about it. Like you're not going to do it. And like you mentally know it's not okay. But like sometimes we, you know, we have physical experiences of arousal to things that, you know, just like, like um, a lot of women have rape fantasies. Okay. That doesn't Mm. mean that they want to be raped. It's like, there's something about the fantasy that helps them feel like they can just like relax and surrender versus like Mm. having, you know, to a lot of women like feel like it's shameful to want sex. And so to just like receive it without it's without it being their idea without it, like without them feeling like they don't have agency over it is a hot fantasy because it just like allows, it gives us permission to be sexual because it's just happening to us. Okay. But that doesn't mean we want to be raped in real life for the women who are having rape fantasies. It's just like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense because of the cultural context. And, you know, we want sex without seeming like sluts. And so like, Mm. you know, to be, you know, the, the sexual relevancy of it is getting to just like relax and receive and enjoy sex without feeling like there's something wrong with us. So there's just so much at play when understanding what humans want and what we desire. And it's, doesn't have to be anything that happens in real life. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. I, I've never heard that um, like rape fantasy thing before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like understanding the context of it. Like that's, mm-hmm. man, like, yeah, this, this conversation really is so powerful. Like I did, like something came to mind of like, like this actually might be like a fun idea for you. Like I can see Janelle on tv playing the shame game but instead of like it's like releasing shame which actually that'd be kind of like a fun idea so i'm trying to like <laughs> to think of like other ideas of like releasing shame like nope that's not bad that's not wrong like like no judgment whatsoever totally, totally. so what other I'm a like, big proponent uh, well i'm a big proponent of like yeah. actually using your body to release shame so like I think that's why people love TikTok, you know? It's like moving your <laughs> hips, moving your body. Like yeah. you can somatically release negative feelings um, by by doing that, you know? And that's and that's also why meditation is having such a such a resurgence um, is just because people realize that actually just like getting grounded in deep breathing and like feeling your sit bones connecting to the floor or to the chair and feeling your feet on the ground. Like these things mm. can really help us just like be with, our feelings. And, you know, I think like there's a lot of, you know, these conversations can be really liberating, of course, like, wow, it's so nice to think I'm, I have permission to yes, not feel permission. ashamed about this. But like, the next step is really using your own body to help move through things. And then also, this sounds, you know, a little like maybe hippie or new agey, and I am not really either of those. But I think there's something to be said about the power of ritual, that mm. human beings really need ritual and ceremony in order to like emotionally move through things and so if you are feeling shame or guilt or deep grief or sadness about something that's that happened in sex or in relationships what's some ritual that you can do to help move you through that like maybe you write a letter to the person who broke your heart um and you and then you burn it you let it on fire you know Mm -hmm. maybe you um you like like create some kind of like a shrine or like a circle around you and you meditate about the sadness and just let yourself cry and like give yourself, or maybe you go for a hike by yourself and you just like let yourself feel your feelings and you sit and watch the sunset and just like take a deep breath and just say, you know, 
I'm doing the best I can. So like, yeah, I think there's really something to be said about that based on just like humans needing ritual and ceremony in order to move through grief and fear. Mm. Yeah. And that's powerful. Like I would love, you know, as we begin to close a little bit, I'd love to cover just some maybe myths or things to not have like shame about. And one thing that is a heavily avoided <laughs> topic is pornography. Yeah. Um, for because there's tons of shame. Tons like, of shame. Like for me, I remember. Of course, you hide it, but I remember looking at it for the first time and just like that's probably the most guilty, at least if not one of the most guilty. I mean, and it's not like yeah, I grew up in extremely religious household and culture. Um, and so for me, I just remember, yeah, like you have this urge, you do it and you're curious, but then I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> you know, like, and it, it freaking sucks. It sucks totally. to feel that. Totally. Yeah. Porn is really complicated. Um, you know, humans are really drawn to sex and we're really drawn to, um, looking at or like reading about sexually stimulating material. And um, I think it can be a problem if it's getting in the way of your life, like just like any addiction, if you are doing something to the point where you are not maintaining functioning relationships, or you are not able to fulfill your, you know, your responsibilities, then it's a problem. But I think that porn can be used in a really healthy way as just like a form of sexual expression and you know, release and, you know, exploration adventure just by like seeing other ways um, of having sex. You know, there, there is a lot of porn that can be really problematic too. Like it can be really, there's a lot of degrading porn. Um, Like some people are into that, but um, the assumption that like, okay, well, is this how you have sex? Like you like gag a woman and like, you know, deep throat her. It's like, well, maybe she wants that. Like some women are into that, but some women aren't. So like, how do you just like have conversations with your partner about like, do you, do you want to watch this with me? Do you want to yeah. try this thing? Or, you know, maybe you watch porn and you're just like really into this very specific kind of porn. Um, but you're not into doing it with your partner. Like I had a client who was really into small penis humiliation porn, which like mm. I think a lot of people would not understand is like, but he thought it was really great. And, but he didn't want that with his wife. That was not something he wanted. It's like, but it was his own little world that he would do in porn, which was, which actually was great for his wife because she probably wouldn't want to do that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he got to like experience it through, through this, you know, through this pornography world. And then she was not obligated to like, you know, fulfill that with him, which she's not obligated to fulfill that with him anyway, right? But it's just like he had his little this this little thing this fetish that he that helped him feel more alive and relaxed like after he would Mm. look at this this porn it was just like fun for him brought him pleasure and helped him feel more alive which is like going to benefit his relationship with her because he's like feeling you know he's he's feeling more himself or more alive or more nourished because he just like watched this like fetish porn he was into so yeah yeah, it's very complicated i think it really depends on the person and on you know what kind of relationship they have with porn they making sure that people know that like porn isn't real life like it's fantasy yes i think that was the most important thing that you said um well i mean all of it's important but like for just that that distinction 
of yeah. that, you know, like it's not real. Like if yeah. you are looking at it, it's not real. Yeah. And if you don't understand it, like it's not. So yeah, I just really love that distinction. And also how you said, again, it's there's two truths can exist. It's not just like porn is bad. All people who watch it should go to hell. F you. No, I, like, so yeah. you, cause you described, yeah, you've described how it has helped and how it hasn't helped. Totally. Just like I could literally go to the gym twice a day and just destroy my body and my relationships. You right. know, I could eat too much food, you know, or like there's just so many things that like, it's just not just, this is Absolutely. the answer. You could, you could work too much and destroy your relationships. You could drink too much and destroy relationships. So yeah, like porn definitely has the potential to be something that's a numbing agent that is distracting yeah. us from our lives and the things we need to do. It's preventing us from really feeling our feelings. It's something we go to, to alleviate our pain. Um, and you know, that's okay to a certain level, just like, you know, you're stressed at the end of the day, you have a glass of wine. It's like, okay, like, yeah, it's a, it's a little coping tool. It's like a little medicine, but it's not interfering, but like mm. it can be, it can be a big problem. So, you know, I really think it's just not a black or white issue. I like that. And then for, um, as a man, I can, for sure, as a heterosexual man, I can speak that, speak to, again, kind of like the achiever mentality or like, I have to please this woman to orgasm every single time. What would you say to that, you know, uh, group of me of men who may think like I'm a failure if she doesn't totally. do X. Totally. Well, I think it's really beautiful for any partner to want their other partner to feel pleasure and to mm. want their partner to, you know, experience an orgasm is like a beautiful intention. And so much of sex is not about orgasming. And in fact, we often rush into trying to achieve orgasm yeah. um, at the expense of having just like sweet, slow connection. Um, so, you know, I would say it's another belief to like decolonize in your mind or to unlearn is that sex needs to be about orgasming. Um, I do think that giving and receiving pleasure is much more expansive than that. And it, it also mm. involves a conversation with your partner, you know, like, maybe your partner would really love to just like have a sensual massage from you without any pressure for her to orgasm. And, you know, or maybe she's like, yeah, like it's actually really important to me to orgasm when we have sex. It's like some, you know, everyone's different. So like have a conversation with your partner about that. Like, you know, I'm curious, like, is this something that like we, we you would want to experiment with? Um, or is this something that feels like, really really important to you to like come every time but like i i challenge a lot of my clients to um have a week or a month or something where orgasming is not allowed and then it just like creates all this fun yeah. sexual tension <laughs> yeah. where it's just like oh we're just like enjoying mm -hmm. pleasure and like connection and touch and and like that little sense of frustration that you can't come is like oh, sexy yeah. and hot and makes it exciting like knowing that you're going to be able to again at the end of your like little set experiment period so yeah I think it's all about like knowing that there, that's not the only way and to have a conversation about it. I love it. It's just like exploring, expanding. There's not one way or there's this way some days, not this way some other days. It's like totally authenticity, baby. Totally. I want to go back really quickly to the porn mm -hmm. subject because I was thinking yes. about um, like fear with um, a lot of partners, like experience, like fear and discomfort around their partner's porn yes. use. And what I want to say is, that is so real and legit. And especially if your partner is using it to the point where it's like becoming a detriment to your relationship or they're not fulfilling their obligations as like a co-parent or in work. But 
a lot of porn use actually brings up deep insecurities that I think it is our obligation to excavate and unpack. And so um, before jumping right into you need to change your porn habit to be mm. like, I'm noticing it's bringing up insecurities for me that I'm not beautiful enough, that I'm not important yeah. enough to you, that I don't, that you don't desire me. And for them to be like, yeah, thank you so much for telling me that. Like, what else can I, how can I help you feel more loved and supported? Like the porn is just the, the scapegoat thing that like seems like it's the crux of the issue, but often it's underlying like fears mm. and insecurities in ways that you need to be nourished more. And the porn is just like representing the things that you're, you're needing more of. I really like it's that. Something I, to consider. I love how you said that. Cause it's not like, Hey, this porn isn't the thing. It's like, what's underneath that. What's the why. And sometimes porn is the issue, but sometimes it's not. So just something to consider. <laughs> yeah. Just, just so everyone knows, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. That's the answer <laughs> for everything. So we hope Hopefully. you found clarity in the confusion. <laughs> totally (laughs) it's really about like um doing your own personal excavation that's really what it's all about like you know the answers inside of you like we're just here to say there's lots of different ways yeah see i love that and one other thing too is almost or not almost like how you've said and i totally can understand this from personal experience in relationships and just like within myself of men always have to be hard and then you said or i we've talked about this before that men or women like always have to be wet it's like and if you're not this then you're not turned on or you're not like whatever level you know right and to address that it is a myth that women are always wet when aroused Mm -hmm. or that or that just because they're wet they are aroused um wetness actually has to do with hormones just as much if not more than it has to do with arousal Fun fact. Really? <laughs> yeah. So like hormones, because like usually, I mean, because like, because usually you say like, oh, this ha- X, this happen, X happens, the Y is the result. But yep. like, so what does that mean? Like, can you explain like the science behind like hormonal? Well, some women get on hormonal birth control and it makes mm. them dry. Um, and like aging can cause dryness as well. Um, so it's just not okay. like being wet is not necessarily a sign of anything in fact like a woman can be wet and not aroused like for instance if she um if she like saw something sexually relevant but is not actually desiring Mm. so like for instance the guy who got the erection when he saw the date rape even though he intellectually was like i'm not i don't want this it's not okay like his body responded so a woman may be having some wetness in response to um you know a stimulus but it's not because she's actually wanting what's happening so like that can be that that can be really confusing and, and shaming for sure. Like if a woman gets wet while being sexually assaulted, I mean it is possible uh, because it's a sexually relevant thing, even though her mind is like, hell no, I don't want this. So like, yeah, yeah. wetness is just not a good indicator of, of arousal. It can be, but it can also not be. And so a better way would be to verbally communicate like, do you like this? Do you, what do you want more of? Can I try this? Like what what do you want? Um, and reading woman's body language, like, is mm. she, you know, arching her back and moving towards you? And, you know, does she, is she like smiling and moaning, you know, and those things could be, could be faked, but like, <laughs> you know, that's up to us as women. Like we should yeah. stop faking it and start being real about what we want and don't want. Cause nothing shameful about that. Like, 
I think a lot of, a lot of women and men think like, oh, if a man doesn't just know what to do, like it's shame, you know, you don't, don't tell him, don't shame him. It's like that. All vulvas and vaginas are totally different. So like, we can't, we, we gotta communicate with each other. There's it's not a sign that like, they're not a good lover. It's just like, what do you like? Like, oh my God, I'm exploring this whole new world. Like, tell me, you know, and share with each other. Like, no need to fake mm. it. It's like there's nothing shameful with with um asking a partner for what they're what they like and what they're into because we're all so different. I love that. Like asking for what you want, it's okay. It's more than okay. Totally. Totally. And it's awkward at first. You know, going back to the whole like gotta let go of needing it to not be awkward. Yeah, and that's awesome. like that's that's just that's just life. <laughs> Damn. Well Janelle, we could keep busting myths and overcome overcoming shame, but um, someone's listening and I know that they want your help. So where can, totally. so IG, TikTok, um, all the yeah. things, your website, your I'm at, it. I'm at love with Janelle on all the platforms and Janelle is spelled Jane with an L. So J A N E L love with Janelle on TikTok, Instagram, you know, I got a Facebook, but like Facebook's dying. What can we say? <laughs> and then, um, yeah, my website's love with Janelle. Com. I also have a YouTube channel where, um, you know, I'm going to post this uh, video version of this conversation and also just um, make longer videos. But, you know, at the moment, I would say my pride and joy is my thir- my 30 second TikToks <laughs> um, yeah, is talking about sexuality and relationships and just helping people let go of shame and fear in their love and sex lives. Boom. I love that. Um, if someone is nervous about reaching out to you, what would you, um, invite them to do or think, or just like, what would you say to them? I would say, yeah, it's always nerve wracking to start a conversation with a new person. I totally get that. I always get nervous reaching out to new people too, but I really am warm and loving and would love to (laughs) connect with you. And I'd love to, um, you know, you can send me a DM on, on you know on Instagram or or on TikTok and I at this point I have the capacity to respond to pretty much everyone who sends me a respectful message so I'd love to hear from you it might not be the case that I'll have the bandwidth to do that um in the future but at this moment at this moment I would, lo- I would love to hear from you and yeah. respond to you <laughs> amazing well Janelle thank you like this was like one of the most powerful open conversations and i know it'll be incredibly freeing um what like when do you feel most free like when you think of your life yeah when do you feel the most freedom or the most free at peace at ease i really like doing things that are that help me confront fear like i you know i told you i've hiked two long distance hiking trails so i love doing like really stimulating outdoor activities like skiing um like long backpacking trips because there's so much fear that i confront and like being like really up against my own fear and discomfort while doing a physical activity is very healing and helpful for me because it just helps me see fear is normal fear can be useful it can be a sign that you need to slow down or stop or reassess the situation. And that's great. But fear can also be a saboteur and it can be based on outdated stories about who you are or what you can achieve based on your gender or, you know, based on what, you know, childhood wounding, you know, you were told you weren't capable of something. So I think like actually doing activities where you are 
um, facing your fear and discomfort and then like edging yourself through it and knowing what you're capable of is so healing. So like for me, I would say that's a big one or like biking too, just like really pushing my, you know, pushing myself to the limit with like mountain biking or Mm. something and like taking just enough risk that I feel like I'm learning and growing, but not enough that I'm like traumatizing myself. Yeah. Daniel, that's powerful. Well, Danelle, I appreciate you. Thank you for... I appreciate you, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I received that. Like, yeah, Yeah. like I honor... It's it's cool to meet just like a fellow fear warrior. I don't know, like whatever we're called, you know, that just really leans into it, really embraces it. And so I I recognize that because it isn't easy. It might be easier the more and more you do it, but we're always going to new levels. So it still feels scary like like fear is always there so um yeah thank you like also facing fear is a privilege because people who have been like systematically oppressed and people who have had like very traumatic lives like there is no emotional space to like really you know it's like the maslow's hierarchy of human needs to like really like self-actualize around like what am i afraid of is a privilege and so i just want to i want to name that but like it's not the way everyone needs to grow in this world in this life you know but like for those of us who have the privilege to be like okay like I want to self-actualize through coming up against discomfort and fear it's it can be really useful I love that healing I really like that actually dopeness all right well thank you everyone have a wonderful day we out of here thank you All right, y'all, you know what to do. Make sure if you have not already, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. So if you listen on Apple, on iTunes, make sure you go leave a review. It really helps out the show and make sure you share it with someone that you love, that you know that will enjoy this and benefit from it. And make sure you follow Janelle. Her handle is at lovewithjanelle. All right, y'all, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for spending your time with me and let me know how I can help you. Follow me at the fear guy on Instagram. You can go find out about coaching, the membership, all the things at feeling-free.com. If you want to learn more about working with me, you're amazing. I believe in you. Have a wonderful day.